Crafts Drive presents. Oh, got to get ready. Laptop. Plant. That looks nice there. Ooh, cookies. Yum. Notebook. Microphone. Webcam. And coffee, of course. A video podcast where deaf, hard of hearing, and disabled creatives and their allies chat about experiences, best practice, and the future of the arts. The Green Room. Hello and welcome to The Green Room, a weekly video podcast brought to you by Strive Collective, a collaboration between Hot Coals Productions and the DH Ensemble. My name is Claire-Louise English and I am one half of Hot Coals Productions. So, over 12 weeks we are going to be chatting with some of the most exciting, deaf, disabled and neurodiverse talent in the arts industry and their industry allies both here in the UK and internationally. We're going to be celebrating best practice, we're going to be spotlighting unsung heroes and hopefully inspiring uh, you guys out there to keep access and diversity front and centre in the next um, coming months and years to come. So we're publishing a new pod video podcast every Thursday evening at 730 and you can find details of where to get hold of that on our website, on YouTube, and of course on all our uh, usual social media channels. Uh, we would very much encourage you to uh, join the conversation. So if you are watching on YouTube um, on a Thursday night, kind of live, uh, welcome, thank you. Um, please drop us a comment in the comment box. Uh, obviously hit the like button and please subscribe as well uh, or you can catch up with the conversation at any time on demand um, and you can join in the conversation at any point by using the hashtag the green room underscore UK on all the usual social media. So uh, that's the formal bit. Uh, I'm going to now do some introductions because we have a few people here today. So as I said, my name's Claire Louise. Uh, I am a white woman with uh, mid-length red hair that is straight today. And you find me in my lounge. I have a, a plant over my left shoulder and in the distance, not that far, is my funky wallpaper. Uh, caveat, there is a dog hiding under that pile of uh, blankets on the sofa, so <laughs> there's a chance you might join in the conversation at some point. Um, and uh, providing the access today, I have Anna Kitson. She is my interpreter for the day. So uh, Anna, would you like to say hello? Hello, my name is Anna. My sign name is this. So you're basically pushing up your sleeves one arm at a time from the wrist to the elbow. I'm a white woman with brown hair just below the shoulders. I'm wearing a grey, a dark grey top and behind me is a bright green screen to acknowledge where we are today. Thank you, Anna. On, on, uh, on brief, as always. Thank you. Uh, and I have the absolute pleasure today of interviewing the awesome casting director that is Polly Gerald. Would you like to say hello to everyone, Polly? Sure. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name's Polly Gerald. Um, I am very pleased to be here today. 
Um, I am a white woman with ginger hair, sort of long bob, I guess you'd call it. Um, I have long dangly gold earrings and a pink high neck jumper on that I didn't realise was quite so vibrant and bright when I bought it, but I'm going with it. Uh, and uh, my background is a, is a light pink uh, wall and over my right shoulder is a kind of uh, sort of wall hanging thing. Also pink, clearly a theme today. Didn't realise it, but there we go. Um, and uh, I have Tracy, who will be interpreting what I say into BSL. Um, Tracy, would you like to give an audio description of yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Tracy, and my sign name is Tracy, which is looks like you're grabbing your wrist and pulling away. Um, I'm wearing a green blouse with a black jumper with short sleeves, and I'm a white woman with dark brownish hair in a sort of pixie cut. And in my background is a blue screen, um, as most interpreters are working with screens at the moment. Thank you, everyone. Yes, welcome to my self-tape nightmare. I don't have a well-lit blank wall at all in my flat. So, uh, but uh, you're welcome into my lounge today. <laughs> Uh, so, Polly, thank you for joining us. This is very exciting. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me along. So let's start. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, give us a, a little overview of what a casting director does, what, what your role is in the industry. And we're talking specifically today in theatre. Sure. Yeah. Um, so a casting director uh, works alongside, um, is part of the creative team. Um, on a production and works alongside the director and uh, in some cases uh, writer if it's a new piece of writing um, or, and uh, musical director if it's, a, if it's a musical or a piece with music in it, uh, choreographer, so works with, with the whole creative team to piece together a company for a show. Um, Really, the process starts by reading the script, if there is one. Obviously, some things are devised and we tend to find that in sort of through workshops. Uh, but if there is a script, um, we will read that. And the director and I will talk about uh, their interpretation, their, in their ideas um, thus far. Um, and it really, uh, you know, that is that is something that also you can challenge as a casting director, that you're there to kind of, you know, bring new ideas, uh, bring provocations, um, you know, potentially look to, uh, yeah, bring a new idea that perhaps the director hasn't thought of yet. Um, and then once you've kind of got all of that information in terms of kind of who you're looking for, um, you put that out to agents, often via a breakdown, um, so a breakdown of, of, of characters, uh, who's in the play, like what age they are, if there's a specific ethnicity, um, and obviously specificity is important where it is important, but also, um, you know, you try to have, uh, be as open-minded and, and as flexible as to kind of, you know, in terms of new interpretations um, that you might not yet have thought of as well, because there is an element that comes out of the casting process when you're meeting with people that may well inform where you go with a character. Mm -hmm. um, 
so it's very it's keeping that open mind in the in the early stages of a of a casting process and then uh, we will invite people in for auditions so we'll send scripts out to actors for them to have a read of um, sometimes you make straight offers as well so you'll go straight to uh, agents with a face so it might be that you know the director has perhaps worked with somebody before who they're really really keen to to work with on this particular project or indeed has already had that conversation sometimes with the casting director you're brought on and there's already an actor attached um uh, so yes there may well be some straight offers so in which case you're sending dates and schedules and money and all that sort of thing over to agents but otherwise you're inviting people in for auditions uh, and you put together a day uh, or several days um, of meetings in which uh, actors come into the room uh, and you tend to in theatre we don't tend to expect people to kind of learn scripts off by heart because we like to kind of be able to have that sort of um, sort of fluidity and flexibility with with the with the script. You know, sometimes you can get a bit stuck, and uh, ordinarily directors will give notes, and you'll kind of do the scene again. Um, as the casting director, you you can be the person who reads in with the with the person in the room as well, or you might have somebody who you've brought in, often an actor, to kind of read in with the with the other actor um, who's auditioning. So we'll do the whole audition process um and as they say often you're kind of informed by who your your meetings were so lots and lots and lots of conversation about where we might go with the character and indeed you're thinking always about the company that you're putting together in its entirety as well so you're thinking you know this person feels like they'd match really nicely with that person for whatever reason or i often think of it as kind of like finding finding the core of a company and really sometimes you can't necessarily put into words what exactly it is that kind of you feel is connecting people or bringing people into that kind of core um but there just sometimes is something um so then once you've worked out who it is that you'd like to offer to you put those offers in and then you wait and you bite your nails and you wait for them to get some snazzy tv drama and not want to work with you um so it's interesting because there's always this kind of like shift of sort of i mean you know it's it's not a great way of putting it but kind of like i suppose a power play like it's you know it's 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 yes we're the ones who invite you into the room but then we're the ones who are kind of waiting eagerly and hoping that you want to be you know in our in our show so it uh, it, it, it should be a collaborative process in that sense as well it should be us all kind of meeting each other and talking and seeing whether there's chemistry there between director and creative team and that actor and indeed sometimes you might have recalls where you bring a couple of actors in together um and then yeah putting the offers out there uh waiting and waiting and waiting uh and then you finally have your company and uh organize contracts and do the negotiations and that's that and a, a key thing as, as part of being a casting director is of course constantly looking to expand your knowledge base so you're going to all the drama school showcases uh go and see kind of youth theater groups um and you know going all around the country to see theater productions both kind of smaller bespoke kind of independent um fringe stuff um and kind of the big shows telly as well and just keeping abreast of where people are up to and films obviously where people are up to in their in their career um yeah i was gonna say you're kind of like um 
you're a bit of a collector of actors aren't you casting directors yeah certainly and I think you you do need to have a good memory therefore you kind of need to um uh yeah you kind of need to you, you need to find ways in which you can bank that information I know we some of us I know some people kind of have physical lists that they keep adding to and stuff whereas some of us just keep it in there and somehow it stays <laughs> don't move <laughs> It's not like a, a one in one out scenario where you've got a sort of <laughs> shelf of how many you can fit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, thank you for that. That was a really great kind of overview um, and, and really useful. Thank you. So, we're going to jump now. Um, we're going to jump to 2017 mm -hmm. because uh, that is when we first met. Uh, when you brought me in to audition for Tribes. Um, so Tribes, obviously, uh, for those who don't know, had two, two deaf characters in, one of which was certainly um, a BSL signer. So tell us a little bit about that show and what that process was like, sort of specifically looking for, for deaf actors in the casting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, so yeah, as you say, Claire, there are there are two characters uh, in that piece, Sylvia and Billy, and Billy has been deaf since birth, um, and uh, Sylvia is she is is she is going deaf. Um, it isn't a hundred percent sort of prescriptive in the script as to where exactly she she's up to but certainly by by the end of the play and she is she's certainly she's she's certainly kind of quite far in into that um uh sort of process uh that's a bad way of putting it but you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> losing her hearing I yeah exactly exactly so um so we always knew so in terms of the billy character we always knew that we were looking for um a, a deaf actor uh for that and um so that was the case of um looking to sort of definitely theater and other uh, you know deaf and hearing ensemble and uh, you know putting that out there to kind of see see who who might be suitable for that role uh, there were a couple of people that we already knew of to go to um and I went to the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland and checked in with them because they have a BA ONS in uh, uh, performance with BSL and English. Mm -hmm. um, and indeed, that's uh, where our uh, actor Kieran Stewart uh, came came from. Um, so, and then the other character, um, Sylvia, uh, historically uh, hadn't actually been pay played by a by a deaf actress um but it was one of the first conversations that we had and uh we felt that it was really important to um try and achieve that authenticity and and to see deaf actresses for that role so that's exactly what we did um we also just as i said before considering the company you know and and the sort of culture of the of the rehearsal room and, and what that was going to be considering it was a a piece uh, that had two deaf actors in it, or two deaf characters in it. Um, we also thought about trying to find within the company anybody else who might be a BSL user. So we also saw for the other parts, in particular for the brother, there are a few people that we saw who were BSL users. What that also meant 
uh, that we did was that we saw for the role of Sylvia, so for the for the deaf character, we saw some hearing actresses who were either fluent in BSL or had or, or were native BSL, so were either child of uh, deaf adults or had that in their fam um, their sibling or um, or indeed, as I say, were kind of level level six fluent. And that was really interesting because um, I think in hindsight, uh, that was a bit misguided. Um, I think that we came at it, as I say, with a view to kind of like, how can we make sure that maybe, you know, I, I, I knew that, you know, when you are the only deaf actor in a company that can feel really isolating. So that's why we kind of looked to kind of, you know, see whether there was anybody else who kind of, who, uh, who was either fluent in BSL or, or native. Um, so that's kind of where we came to on that. But but I think, as I say, retrospectively, I don't think that that was particularly responsible because um, the actresses that we went to were actually closer to that conversation about really that being quite inappropriate because they were part of the sort of deaf community. So they were kind of closer to it than actually hearing actors who maybe weren't familiar with with this conversation about that being quite inappropriate so I felt like we that was irresponsible of us of putting putting them in a in a potentially quite awkward situation but um you know some some of those actresses said categorically no I'm not coming in for the others who came in clearly they were not massively comfortable with it but it was all part of the conversation and it felt really healthy to be having that conversation um and you learn from 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 your errors don't you and ultimately I think you know the like with every casting process if the people that you've met in the in the first stages of, of casting you don't feel a right for the piece or you don't feel a feel a uh, yeah kind of best suited to the to the role then you go again but we met with uh, a, a number of, of of actresses and were really excited by who we met with and we ended up with Emily Howlett who was absolutely the right person for the job and that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve isn't it it's like if the if the person comes in and they're the right person for the job then that's who gets cast and that's ultimately what happens so it felt really positive yeah and it, I mean that is such a big conversation at the moment isn't it and it's such yeah. an important conversation to be having around um as you said authenticity of, of casting and making sure the right person uh gets the role and has sensitivity and has um you know in particular I mean we just released our first uh, interview yesterday and, and Alan actually was, was talking in that about, um, you know, hearing actors playing signing roles, um, playing signing characters that, that really had no uh, background of signing and you just can't, you know, he uses the example of, well, if you got an English person to play a Spanish person and asked them to speak Spanish and then showed it to some Spanish people and they couldn't understand the Spanish because it was so bad, you know, that was the kind of thing that was happening. Yeah. Um, so it is a really, but it's also really interesting that that you you opened it up to hearing people who could sign and um, were sort of coders or part of coders being children children of deaf adults uh, so sort of part of that deaf community um, and it's interesting that they were the ones that went oh no I, we shouldn't go for those roles yeah it's kind yeah. of a, an interesting conversation but uh, yeah. and I think there's there's 
there's two aspects to that conversation as well or kind of two key aspects I think it, like as you're saying Claire there's the authenticity and, and the conversation in that and I think yeah if you I mean if I have a, a bit of experience in terms of language learning and you know yeah it doesn't take you long to realize that that kind of like to say that I mean even when you say you're kind of you know I've done I've, I've got to you know this this level with it or whatever it's it culturally there's so much that isn't as well so there's a there's a lot in that but I think also we're talking about opportunity as well and we're talking about opportunity at the moment I think you know yes as actors you 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 should be transformative you should be able to to transform but I think that until we reach more of a level playing field um it just would have it, it just felt really wrong to to not see sort of just from a I think there's a there's a moral standpoint in there as well that in terms of like you know this is a this is a deaf character you know and let's make sure therefore that we see deaf actresses for that deaf character it, even if it's like we don't decide that exclusively we're going to do that but we do that first of all we give them the opportunity first of all yeah and then we see where we're up to. Yeah. And I just think, so I think it's kind of authenticity and it's opportunity. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, there's so much to talk about in, in just yeah. that one section that you've mentioned, uh, but I'm just gonna pick up on um, the spotlight now has added in that you can have, um, that you can say what level BSL you were in because yeah. it used to be that you could just say, oh, I've got BSL, uh, British Sign Language. Um, and that was, uh, you know, a problem for me. I was like, is this the new, is this the new horse riding? You know, everyone's saying, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can do that. But then you get them into the space and they actually can't. Hmm. So were those levels helpful? And is there enough awareness, you think, amongst casting directors as to what those levels mean? Um, in short, in answer to your Second question, no, I, I don't think there are there is enough awareness, um, and I include Claire. Sorry, I missed the end of the question. I actually I missed the actual question. <laughs> <laughs> I got as far as the horse riding. <laughs> I was doing too much flat. Oh, I made I distracted you with a joke. Sorry, um, <laughs> distracted me with a joke. It was really a joke. I was like horse riding. <laughs> Uh, for anyone that doesn't know the, the horse riding joke, there was a time in in acting in the acting world where everybody just felt it was so important that they had horse riding on their skills, so they ticked it, and then they would get these jobs and they'd arrive on set and be you know given a horse to ride, and they'd be like, oh, and, and it could sort of become like, oh, I've learned a bit of signing, I'll tick that box, and and then people couldn't really sign with any proficiency, and so. Um, spotlight added in the the, the levels because you can take exams in, in BSL and gain certain levels so Spotlight now added that in um, and the question that I asked Polly was you know was that useful when those levels were added and is there enough awareness amongst the casting professionals to what those levels actually mean Um, so yes, I think there could be a lot more awareness of what those levels mean and where exactly if it's, it's one, two, three, and then six, isn't it? Yeah, and there is a sort of weird level four in the middle okay. Okay. that I've done, uh, but I don't think there's sort of 
I think there is an exam on, in one of the boards, but not the other. But it's sort of like a stepping stone because there is quite a big jump from level three to level six. And then after that, you're into um, uh, training to be an interpreter after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still hobbling along in uh, level one. So <laughs> um, everyone yeah. starts somewhere. Say what? Everyone starts somewhere. True. True. Um, so I think, uh, yes, there can, there should, there can be more awareness for, for sure. Um, and I think this is all part of the kind of conversations that we need to be having and the kind of learning that we need to be looking to, to gain. Um, yes, I think it's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing because as you say that, you know, you have people coming into the audition room and whilst I am clearly not a BSL consultant, you can, you know, you're kind of looking going, okay, it really feels like you are very, very beginner here. And, and, and yeah. And so it's always useful to know kind of where people are up to. Uh, and it goes, you know, same with sort of uh, musical, musical instruments as well, kind of what grade have you taken? But, you know, equally it's sort of until that person actually is in the room and is playing their grade five saxophone or is showing you you know or is or is actually kind of you know um performing with with uh, bsl uh it, then you you don't you, you don't know exactly where where kind of somebody's or how how they're handling that mm -hmm. um and that's why it's so important as well to have BSL consultants um, to 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 tell us where that person is up to 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 tell us as, as casting directors and uh, and as we know yeah not to be confused with a interpreter who is there to facilitate the conversation the BSL consultant is a is a deaf person who will who will sort of judge and and uh, yeah how where where that actor is up to with their BSL so yes certainly certainly useful to have that there but also I think just with you know with the knowledge that until that person's in the room and until you're kind of really working with that language um you don't necessarily know yeah how how good a handle they have of it yeah and another whole conversation to be had around BSL consultants but maybe let's park that for a, for a second because uh, I'd like to now jump backwards in time from tribes um, to ramps on the moon mm -hmm. so ramps on the moon um, first set up in 2016 uh, or certainly the first show was 2016 and you were brought on uh, at that point so let's talk about just explain Oh, I must just say as well, uh, we've mentioned Royal uh, Scottish and some other bits, and we'll make sure that we put links to these in the notes, folks, so you can look up things that we're talking about. Um, now I've lost my own train of thought. Oh, yeah. So um, tell us about, just give us a little overview, first of all, of Ramps on the Moon Consortium and what that, uh, what that is for people that don't know. Sure. So um, Ramps on the Moon, uh, it's a consortium of six uh, NPO, National Portfolio Organisations, um, <laughs> uh, theatres, six theatres, who are, um, they are the New Wolsey, Ipswich, 
Leeds. Oh, no, sorry, Sheffield. I'm just waiting for the finger spelling. Oh, <laughs> oh, I forgot. Like, you gone blank? <laughs> God, there's like one. <laughs> no, uh, there's Birmingham <laughs> Rep. <laughs> um, there's Leeds Playhouse. Uh, there's Sheffield Theatres. Theatre Royal Stratford East. And Nottingham Playhouse. And uh, Grey Eye is a strategic partner alongside those theatres um, and uh, yeah really it's looking to um, looking at better representation of deaf and disabled uh, artists and creatives um, and normalizing their presence both on and off stage so um, in terms of the productions there's one a year um, and they're big productions they're big big uh, companies normally of around 20 actors um we've never been um specific with a with like a quota system we have but but roughly we've always looked to have a kind of 50 50 split of deaf and disabled actors and hearing and non-disabled actors um and uh the productions tend to be well-known pieces of of, of work um but kind of often kind of reimagined uh in 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 some respects um there's been uh, so we've done the government inspector and then the second year we did a musical we did tommy um and then we did um uh, our country's good And then the fourth production uh, was Oliver Twist, which I know is a sore subject because <laughs> you were in it and you haven't yet. Did you did you manage one week? Yeah, we did open. We did the full yeah. um, rehearsals. We opened. I think we did more than I think we did a couple of weeks. We certainly got past press night, Woo! Uh, and then COVID and the world just closed, and we were all sent home and we were just about to go off on the on the big tour because uh, that's the other part of, of ramps isn't it each year um the show is hosted by a different one of those six yeah and then the show tours to the main houses of those those six it goes to the main houses and it spends two weeks mm -hmm. in those houses so okay. in two two each in uh, two weeks each um yeah. in each venue uh yeah, so I was the casting director on the first three productions. Yes. So, so when you first had that conversation, when they came, you can tell us a bit about when you were sort of when you joined. But yeah. when you first had those conversations, what was that like when they told you what they were hoping to achieve? Can you remember what you kind of were thinking in that that moment? Did you realise yeah. you you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I was really excited I was really excited to be involved and I was I was really really pleased to have been asked to be involved um I felt an enormous amount of uh responsibility um you do as a casting director anyway you you want to make sure that the the environment in which you're bringing actors into um in terms of auditions is going to be um, most conducive to getting the best work out of that person so um, to then sort of consider that there are some people who have never felt like that was a particularly accessible 
space for them or or you know and in some respects the ghost fires say particularly safe space and 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 one in which that they can really express themselves as an artist to know that that contingent of people are 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 you know um that you're that you're looking to meet those people you know I did feel an enormous responsibility to kind of you know not bodge it up yeah. <laughs> in terms I of uh, you know um you know not not making sure that that was an accessible space first and foremost and then uh, and you had such a um such a variety of access needs because as we yeah. just said it's a, they're always a big cast yeah. um so you were auditioning uh, a full range of, of deaf and disabled people presumably that must yeah. be overwhelming initially yeah I think it was it was constantly just trying to keep a lid on that and, and not feeling overwhelming because I think also it's like you know it's sort of any anything that I was feeling I think very much you know um sort of fade into significance where you know this this kind of um the, the sort of the kind of barriers that had been there for for people yeah. it was like no just let's just get on with it let's just do it come on you know let's focus um and but in terms of the learning that came out of that it was extraordinary you know I think um I'd certainly worked with um deaf and disabled actors in the past but not in any way uh on this kind of level in terms of as you say the amount of access requirements for one casting process as well mm -hmm. um and that you know I think it just even things like working with interpreters knowing kind of where that person needs to sit uh the the kind of all the protocol that kind of goes with that as well um in terms of you know not referring to the interpreter you, you know keeping focused on the actor it's braille scripts it's it's large font it's colored fonts it's no pdfs um you know it's it's um lip lip reading things like that was was uh and uh and and um we had one uh one um audition where a blind actress needed me to feed in lines behind her stuff like that which i just had never done before uh and also didn't see come didn't know that was that was how we were going to to to, to kind of hold this meeting so that was that was amazing and actually i think what was particularly amazing about that in terms of how that then fed into work kind of later on for, for me and kind of uh, was what happened there in terms of that feeding in and, and that process just it it then I then began to see how that could work in situations in which it wasn't about a blind actor actually yeah. it was just an actor I mean there was one case where an actor um, had dyslexia and that really worked for him but also I worked with a director who just who actually just really enjoyed working like that who wanted me to feed in the lines because it liberated that actor from the script mm -hmm. and so it was really interesting kind of that initially was seen you know in terms of a um as an access requirement but actually what we learn from these things is that these access requirements bring about a flexibility and bring about a creativity that we perhaps otherwise might not have have discovered um, yeah 100 percent. this is um you know what amy leach uh, always says who was directing directed oliver twist is that actually access is just like having more paints in your palette it just gives you more tools more 
more toys to play with. It doesn't have to be seen as this thing that you have to do and you have to bolt it on. It can be, it can just offer you so much more creatively, yeah. um, you know, both on stage and as you've just said, sort of in the run up to, through rehearsals, through auditions. Um, so that's really good that you've kind of brought that, that point up. Um, and how did, so then you did three, as you said, three overall for Ramps on the Moon. Each one, again, big casts, uh, full uh, diversity. So did you notice that there were any things that you learned through that your casting process changed as you went through the three productions? Um, what things did you take forward? Yeah, I mean, certainly all those things in terms of just, you know, just knowing how to um, sort of make make the the audition room the the as as I say kind of the most sort of accessible and conducive to getting best but in terms of you know describing who's in the in the room um you know for partially sighted or or, or blind actors it's um uh and understanding things about bsl translation um uh you know even small things like knowing to have a stand for the script yeah. Uh, if you know if if yeah well for for for, for yeah to bsl users but also maybe for somebody who is holding that script with one hand and that's the only option they have and they if they could put it on the on the stand then it frees them up and um and and, and equally uh, uh, you know ensuring that you have somewhere for a, a, a wheelchair used to put their script and it's it's these these little little things uh, that that obviously just make a huge difference and also making sure that, that that script is accessible in in the in the first instance as well um and any uh, any audio they have like with tommy making sure that kind of that's all of the material that it gets to people in time that there's enough time to 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 prep it and that it is in accessible format so certainly yeah i mean we took that learning um uh from from production to production but i think you know i think like any new venture there was an element of it like slightly flying by the seat of your pants a bit kind of you know we were we were looking to do something that we felt really excited by but um you know there, there it wasn't a perfect process and i would say it wasn't it ha hasn't you know it wasn't a perfect process for probably each of those those three plus there's still stuff there's still always stuff that i was discovering um and but that's also uh you know part of the joy of these things and part of what we want to sort of bring across in the green room is being afraid of of doing something or getting it wrong is not a reason not to do it and actually i mean i think in the arts we're usually quite good at thinking well i don't know how to do that but let's do it anyway you know let's just start and I think that's a really important thing when we mm. talk about access and mm. uh that you know you might not know the answer straight away and that's okay you can you can start the process and you can ask the right people and you can learn from your mistakes and you know yeah panic in that way and I think a key thing for me when I first started uh on ramps was that I definitely felt like I should already know all of this and I felt ashamed that I didn't mm -hmm. and I felt kind of awful <laughs> that I that I didn't and that and, and I kind of started thinking gosh what how have I been contributing to this problem thus far and I think that you that, that there is a lot of that that you that you take on and that you feel really keenly and 
what we need to make sure of is that, as you say, Claire, that that doesn't prevent you from from still trying, from still doing it. Know that you're going to make mistakes. Hope, hope to God that you're not going to make an absolute clangor of a mistake. <laughs> but even if you do, um, you know, you're going to learn from it and make sure that you you know it's it's all part of having that conversation as well it it needs to feel like it's a joined up shared collaborative conversation that you know some of us are coming to it going i might get this a bit wrong so i might need to ask and ask and ask and ask is the thing don't be afraid to ask if you don't know just ask um but i think you know coming to it thinking i'm i'm trying to do something um and uh you know I know you know and, and and somebody else is like I've never had what I've needed we need to just talk about it we need to come together and kind of share that discussion uh we're all trying to achieve the same thing here um and yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna trip up along along the way um and I think equally you know something that for, for me that I felt uh also needed to be shared was how a what a casting process is for that casting director as well so for example um in certainly in the first ramps production um i was um i was in touch with a lot of um deaf and disabled actors who represented themselves so didn't have agents um and ordinarily what you're doing throughout a process is you try your best to keep in touch with the agent or with the actor to, to let them know where you're up to. But equally, a lot of the time, you don't necessarily know exactly where you're up to. And one piece of casting might inform who you go with in another piece of casting. And you might have two or three people on hold. And I think that there was quite a pressure to kind of constantly, constantly give updates to actors who were used to just actually, a lot of the time, getting a straight offer as well because a lot of the time those actors would have worked with specific companies where they would have known six months in advance that they were doing this project and obviously you know you have to be it, it's that judging it as well that judging that kind of like how transparent you are because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings and say you know your third yeah. choice sorry uh but that, but but you still really rate that actor and you'd be really excited to have them in the show but like i say it, it's all about the piecing together and the kind of matching but so i think i i felt after certainly after that first uh production i felt like we just needed to have more discourse about what what is a casting process as well what is it for me and what is it for you and let's share that conversation um and well, really that's yeah what what i think is so so important that we that we look to do sorry uh we should probably drop in and make sure that we add into the notes um uh, a casting directory i suppose you would call it alongside spotlight there is also profile now which is run by spotlight and the national i believe uh, and that's a really good database for uh, deaf and disabled actors and i think you can be on that if you're not in spotlight i'm not sure but also it links up to your spotlight cv and and that has um 
links to their CV and then videos of them doing monologues. So that's a really good resource and we'll make sure we put a link. Uh, yeah, that. certainly. And I know that um, Dank, the uh, yes. Disability Arts Artist Networking Community are doing some really, really great stuff where that's concerned as well. Yeah. Um, um, and I want to just, uh, if we've got time to, to talk now about the kind of shift in the industry and, and in your casting um, process, where you've gone from casting a show that is sort of predominantly um, about putting deaf and disabled actors sort of front and centre in big productions, to then um, another one I'm going to just sort of pick out of your CV uh, was... Peter Pan, where the wonderful uh, deaf actress Rose, who is now in EastEnders, very exciting, doing a fantastic job as Frankie, um, you know, was in that production that wasn't necessarily setting out to be, this is about showcasing deaf and disabled actors. So how has that sort of changed in terms of a casting world? Do you feel now more able to, to offer up, you know, more diversity and more options in the casting process? Gosh, yeah, yeah, and I think you know, there's, there's that in that learning that I had in terms of uh, with with ramps, uh, you know, that really, that really, really opened up. Yeah, kind of, uh, you know, who, I mean, who I knew, to be honest. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of kind of, you know, I just met a lot of people who were really talented, and I was like, great, well you can come in for all the things that I'm casting that'd be lovely um you know so it's it, yeah so it's so so expanding my knowledge base was great but certainly it then kind of empowered me to have more conversations with directors about perhaps reimagining or redefining a role um in some cases that 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 wasn't uh that wasn't sort of a, a necessary in terms of with Peter Pan I mean it's a fantastical thing um and we we were very much kind of you know we were looking for a really diverse cast because that's the most interesting company that you can put together and uh I had met Rose I'd seen her in a definitely theatre showcase um and then I'd met her for a few auditions um and then I, I just think she's wonderful I think she's a wonderful wonderful actress and but yeah, certainly that knowledge, definitely, because a lot of the time the conversation you're having conversations with people who haven't yet had that contact um, with conversation around disability and, and don't know that many deaf and disabled actors. So if you can come to that conversation and you can say, don't panic, I know I know what it is to have this panic, don't panic. Um, I, I, I think I've got this one. Let me let me help you now. Let me guide you through it. Um, let me tell you what it is that I've learned and what it is that I know about this situation and how how we might integrate BSL, for example. Let's talk, you know, so it, it doesn't half, as I say, kind of empower you to, to yeah, feel more confident about those conversations. Um, and it's definitely therefore enabled me to to kind of um, talk convincingly as well with directors about it because inevitably part of these conversations that you have with directors you know it's you're constantly challenging each other and and um yeah and if somebody is coming from a place of sort of fear and ignorance sometimes there can be those 
barriers that you just have to carefully kind of tap away at or that that guard you know that sort of like I don't want to do it I don't know how to do it kind of thing um yeah. so definitely definitely it's it's made for a much more inclusive casting process where in in terms of the shows I've worked on and so um so on that note what would be your tips so for people watching um at home um that might want to start considering you know theater makers people who run venues uh directors doing a new production are there any tips that you would say to those people who are maybe considering the idea of bringing in deaf and disabled actors and i know we've had a conversation before about about that consideration being earlier on so you get it in your budget yeah so any other thoughts around that and, and yeah certainly Just wait, yeah. um so yes i think the the key key thing for me is time make sure that you're giving this enough time i mean i would say that for any casting process so much of the time with these are afterthoughts we're coming too late to conversations really for it to, to to be anything other than really quite hectic and quite stressful for sort of everybody involved um not least uh the 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 actor who needs that preparation time i mean every actor needs that prep time but some actors need quite specific uh and yeah oh doing quite specific preparatory work and need a little bit longer disputably um but i think yes in terms of bringing bringing in a casting director sooner so that you can have these conversations at the inception of a, of a project um i worked on something recently where um when i came to it it was a new piece of writing and it had had like two years of being developed and r and d's and workshops and sharings and when I so the script that we had at audition was like draft 10 or something and when we were having the conversation about bringing people in we we didn't there was about, about 10 people in the in in the company we and we decided to see people for all of the characters and we met with um an actor who uh chose not to use his voice and was bsl user and he was brilliant he was absolutely brilliant and the director and the writer loved him and 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 were really excited by what he was doing but because that character had been written with a voice you, you know he uses his voice that character and it, and he had done for two years <laughs> of, of kind of being written it it was it was too big a shift it was too big a change they were there saying oh you know I want to write another character so it's great it's inspiring you know it's it's inspiring people to go away and go oh you know why didn't I write that guy in in the first place the, the the guy who's a who's a BSL user why didn't I write that character in but you know if you as I was saying at the beginning of this as a cosmetic you're there to provoke and you're there to challenge and you're there to say things like you know I know this actor who I think would be brilliant in this role he doesn't he chooses not to use his voice he's a BSL user let's bring him into one of these R&Ds, let's bring him in earlier, let's bring him in sooner yeah. so that we can kind of make this as creative and exciting a thing as, as we're supposed to be doing in this industry, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, so yes, so 
please bring in a casting director sooner um, to have these conversations. And in terms of time, you know, make sure there is enough time, not least, as I say, for preparation, but in the room as well. You know, let's not rush through these auditions all the time. Let's get to know each other. This isn't just about you presenting as an actor what what you what you have to show us this is about you getting to know us us getting to know you and and kind of it being more of a, a sharing collaborative thing um and make sure that there's time as well if you if you are doing recalls or you're doing kind of chemistry reads as well that that there's time enough to do that where you're not worried about losing everybody as i say to mm. other projects you know i think quite a lot of the time I mean, theatre, for the most part, we are the poor relative. We are, you know, we, you know, we're, we're there waiting for you to not get the telly job and not get the film, you know. So uh, I think just, I don't, you know, so so we should never really be waiting on that. You know what I mean? And they, these things can happen really quite last minute, but by their very nature, they change a lot in terms of dates. Let's work out our own sort of ideal block of casting that falls in a good good amount of time before uh, day one of rehearsals and you know let's not stress people out by rushing things um if you don't have the money in your budget as well to ensure that you can kind of cover all possible access requirements that might come up and if you therefore are asking a performer to apply for access to work funding then you have to give that time I mean that's a headache that is a headache and it takes time and until that person has submitted that application um, and has got the the approval, you don't know if that person can be in your production. So time, time, time is, yeah. is, a, is a really, really key one. Um, and in terms of budget, yes, make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at that carefully in terms of any interpreters is the obvious one that you might need. And um, and that's interpreters in auditions, of course, as well as um, in the rehearsal room. And it's never just one uh you know so it's just stuff like that that just be mindful of, of 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 what this might become um so that you can allow it to become something so that you're not you're not hemmed in you know i think a really really key thing is all of these things that are restricting us it's it's assumptions that are being made it's unconscious biases that we're not looking at that we're not scrutinizing uh, don't underestimate your audience as well don't just again don't assume that you know exactly what it is that they 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 need from you you know we're we're, we're a creative industry um and a practical thing as well kind of have a list of um uh, accessible venues and a list of interpreters um, and interpreters who work in theatre as well is, is a really, really key, key thing. Brilliant. Thank you. That is, it is so much uh, useful tips and insight that I really think that people could really take away and use. That's brilliant. And I would also add to those of people who aren't necessarily familiar with the Arts Council process, that if you're doing a production and you know that you want to bring in deaf and disabled actors, you can um, put access as part of the budget, but separate to the budget. So, so when you're applying through Arts Council, it doesn't have to come out. You know, if your production costs X thousands of pounds to make, you don't have to find the access money out of that budget. Mm. The Arts Council will, will fund the access separate. It's a really important thing to remember, because if you have thought of it already, then, then you're not going to get caught out budget later. 
ab absolutely. And that just makes me think in terms of uh, research and kind of literature and stuff. That's the other thing that there's so much out there. And I hope that I don't come across as preachy because I'm in no position to be. But I'm just speaking from from a point of which I have come to this from from. Yeah, I mean, you know, fear and ignorance, I guess, as you know, it, it, back 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 in, you know, when I started um, working on ramps and I think it's constantly looking to find out more you know the reason why we have that fear and ignorance is because we don't have contact with yeah. with uh conversation around disability and there is so much you know i've been listening to the podcast that uh disability online and gray eye presents have been doing they're brilliant i would i would highly recommend them there's you know there's Alim's um, Alim and Equity Indefinitely Theatre put together BSL uh, Best Practice Guide. Uh, Bird of, Birds of Paradise have been doing webinars online during the pandemic about accessibility in theatre. There's Crip Tales. There's uh, Melissa Johns wrote a lovely, uh, like a brilliant, insightful um, piece. Uh, what would Frida do on BBC iPlayer? There's Crips Without Constraints. Sorry, Polly, I just missed the oh, last no, name. No. Apologies, the last name. Melissa Johns. Thank you. Um, sorry, I'm racing, but it's just to say that there's just so much out there, and and I think just keep connecting with this conversation. It's something that we must be collaborative on, and we need to find a space of of solidarity in which we can we can really thrash this out together and move this forward positively and, and productively. Yeah. 100% thank you and we will make sure that we put links to a lot of those things in in the comments uh, so that people can find them again we are my god we could have talked and talked and talked for hours both of us probably independently of <laughs> um, but uh, we need to start wrapping it up um, I've got some like final quick fire questions for oh, you oh god right okay all <laughs> very innocent um, so I'm going to give you options and you just give me a quick fire answer. Lord, I hate yeah. quick fire, but go. It's very, very simple. <laughs> uh, okay, theatre or film? Oh, theatre. Ops. Uh, costume or set? Costume. Uh, tea or coffee? Tea. Good answer. Cat or dog? Cat. Oh, Oh, sorry, Claire. Yes, sorry. Not very diplomatic. Seascape <laughs> uh, or mountainscape? Oh, seascape. Uh, classic play or modern play? Modern play. Stage fighting or dancing? Dancing. Uh, oh, here's one from, from the olden days when you could go out. Pub or restaurant? Pub. Uh, okay, and now we've, gonna, we've been asking everyone... Uh, well, actually, firstly, I'm going to ask you your favourite audition venue. Favourite audition venue? Oh, yes. Um, so uh, it would have to be a Regent's Park, I think, just simply because they've actually they've now got a whole snazzy load of studios. But um, we used to uh, audition in the, um, the sort of it, it's like a little cabin almost thing. It, it's actually their green room. Um, uh -huh. And what's lovely about it is just it's just that sort of normally we'd be casting in in the autumn for the for the for the spring and summer season and just sort of slipping about on the autumn leaves on the way down to the 
wooden cabin and then coming out and backstage and just that stage is quite special so that yeah ah the romance yeah (laughs) um and do you have again we're asking everyone of course because it's the green room and I don't know how much uh you get to hang out in green rooms as casting director but do you have a favorite green room um well yes I mean, we don't, well, I, I don't hang out much in, in, in green rooms, but I was, uh, I was at the Royal Exchange for five years. Uh-huh. So really, I suppose that is my, the only green room that I kind of know very well, but it was a very special one in any case. It was love. The, the, the women who worked there were, were wonderful. So yes, best. It's always about the people, I think, yeah. whether you can get a good cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, wow, thank you. That's been, it's been such a great uh, and inspiring conversation. And as I say, we could go on for hours, I'm sure. Um, but I must just say a massive thank you to everyone that's joined us on The Green Room today. Uh, a big thank you to Anna and Tracy for providing the access today. Uh, a big thank you to the production team behind the scenes that have made it all possible. Um, for DH and Hot Pals to come together to to make this uh, series. Um, Thank you to you, Polly, for giving up your time uh, this morning. Not at all. Thank you, Claire. It's been lovely to chat. Thank you. It has been lovely to chat. And if only all my working days could be this. Um, And thank you, everyone, uh, for watching. And do join in the conversation. Use the hashtag thegreenroom underscore UK. I think I've got that right. Put us some comments in the comments, hit the like, hit the subscribe so that you can join us next week in the green room. Um, And thank you. We will see you soon. Thanks very much. Guests, Polly Gerald. Host, Claire Louise English. Interpreters, Anna Kitson and Tracy Tyre. Music, Road Trips, Off Shane. The Green Room, a video podcast produced by Strive a collective made up of the DH Ensemble and Hot Coals Productions. You can find all the videos and audio recordings of this series at www.strivecollective.org forward slash the hyphen green hyphen room. Twitter at Strive Collective with no E. Hashtag the green room underscore UK. Celebrating best practice Spotlighting unsung heroes, inspiring action. Logos for Strive, Hot Coals Productions and the DH Ensemble supported using public funding by Arts Council England.